I'm Jenny Rerick. I'm Jay Weedle. And you're listening to the Fit to Speak podcast. A show dedicated to giving coaches and trainers practical tips on how to communicate what they know in a way other people understand. Jay, happy 2023. Happy, happy, happy 2023. You've got some exciting work going on. I've got lots of exciting work going on, yeah. I uh, Well, I'm doing this with you, which gives me life. And then I have, I've just launched an, an online program for CEOs and executives uh, who are looking to lose up to 20 pounds of body fat, gain up to 5 pounds of muscle in 16 weeks or less in a program called the Built by You Transformation Program. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, and what about yourself, mate? What have you got going on? Well, first, I want to just say, if anyone who's listening to this does not currently follow you, Jay, on Instagram, you've been posting some really really great content in both video form and also written. And I would just encourage anybody to give you a follow. And for me, I am going full in on fit to speak. As you know, Jay, I, at the end of the year, I left my corporate job, which is a, it's a good thing. And I'm really excited to build out and continue to invest in fit to speak. And then my husband and I might be opening up a gym. So we've got we've got quite a few things to consider and build out, but it's all it's all good. Yeah, all positive stuff. Again, just give me a call when you need to talk about opening a gym. <laughs> so talk to talk you through that. Do that. You're a pro on that one. We have a we have an interesting topic that we've chosen to talk about today. And I'm going to tell a quick little story about where this came from. And then there was a podcast I listened to that reinforced this idea as well. And I reached out to you, Jay, and said, I wanted to talk about this. So, so we're going to do that. I was on Instagram recently, and although I'm going to highlight just one instance, I, I see this all the time. There was a clip of a trainer talking about how we we tend to qualify workouts on certain things like time and calories burned, things like that. And yet there are many other ways to qualify a workout. And this person was saying an example was that you could, if you had a really stressful day at work. You don't have to go and train at the gym for an hour. You can go on a walk around the block for for five or 10 minutes. Now, it's not that I don't agree with that. It's that the broader concept of we as trainers and coaches, we are now using social media to give advice. And when we don't do a good job of contextualizing that advice, that advice might in the end be really costly to the people that are following us that are going to enact that advice. So to build on the example I just gave, there are some people who going on a walk around the block is not going to move them in the direction of their goals. And yet If they continue to hear coaches and trainers who are showing up in with very fit bodies, 
telling them that this qualifies as exercise and they take that at face value, that that person is not going to, to lose weight or maybe meet the health metrics that they want. They probably need more than that. And I know I'm speaking in very general terms. So that's that's the starting point here. And then quickly, I'll tell you where this went from there. I listened to a podcast, a marketing yeah. podcast. And on the podcast, a guy named Rob Henderson was being interviewed. And Rob Henderson is a Cambridge scholar. And he's become quite well known for one reason is that he coined this term called luxury beliefs. To define what it is, he says that luxury beliefs are ideas and opinions that confer status in the upper class while inflicting costs on the lower class. Now that's socioeconomic and we're talking about coaches and trainers, but the more I thought about this example of us saying things to people like, well, you can just go on a walk and that's a workout. When we say that from a place of having a 20 year training history of, of intense training and building the body that we have today, we can say that. But to say that to somebody that doesn't have a history of consistent training, that might be costly to them because it's likely that they need much more than that. I'm going to stop here, Jay, and let you either contribute or build on what I've said or or add anything. The In our pre-show chat there, in our pre-show notes, we just talked about needing to add context. And I said that good advice given to the wrong person ends up being bad advice. And that's what ends up happening when we don't create accurate context around the information that we're giving. You also mentioned this idea of just adding more information and people just being overwhelmed. And so what we can easily think of as this coach is doing a good job at communicating value, if we don't create context, if we don't create nuance, we don't add yeah, more more of a narrow lens as to who we're speaking to or defining what how useful this information is to everybody or to nobody or who I'm speaking to specifically, then we do, you know, we do a poor job of communicating the value of what could be great advice, but if it's given to the wrong person, it ends up being poor advice, right? Uh, and I'm sure we'll dig a lot more into that over the next however long we do this for. Yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty, I've seen it in multiple places of, this very generic conclusion of doing anything is better than doing nothing. I'm not disagreeing with that, but if that's a message that we're sending to people who see us as an authority figure in the realms of nutrition or exercise, I now might not make the life choices I really should make to support whatever fitness or health goals I have. Because if I really begin to believe that, oh, they're telling me that even if I do something for 10 minutes, that that's better than nothing, I might you know, still choose to stay at the office until 8 p.m. because I think, well, I'll just do you know a couple push-ups when I get home instead of leaving the off, changing my schedule in a way that I can leave the office early and go meet a trainer, go take a class, for an hour and actually put in some effort here because now I have this idea that, well, this person looks like this and they only work out 20 minutes a day. It's like who, (laughs) I know that 
Lane Norton does a lot of videos now where he he breaks down the advice that people are giving. And it's like, you know, the carnivore diet. Well, I had all these autoimmune diseases and then I only eat meat and now I'm healed. That is a luxury belief. That is really dangerous or it can be dangerous and costly for people who are listening to you because they see you as an authority figure. And now they assume that, well, it worked for you. It's going to work for me. And I know that's an extreme example, but I believe that we- It's a completely reasonable example. (laughs) We- If we are going to put ourselves out there through the lens of a professional in the fields of fitness, sport, or health, we have a responsibility to understanding how what we're choosing to communicate, what type of cost that is going to infer on the people that might take that advice. Because often we give advice from our current place. And for many of us, that place is not where our clients or the people who are taking our advice are coming from. Absolutely. Yeah, that I, there's a there's a couple of things there. Is that you you said the word assume, and sometimes when people, you know, it's, it's also important to remember that we are operating in a ninety second frame here. If we've got an Instagram reel, and it's so sad that unfortunately fitness has been just boiled down to 90 second frames that people are supposed to be able to take actionable results in. And, and some of the, some people do a really good job at like giving specific information or good information in 90 seconds. But I would say for the vast majority of us, like that's probably not where we do our damage, right? But the assumption oftentimes is that when coaches online, and this is just, this is my assumption, but this is my interpretation at least, that people give general advice because they assume that people already know what they need to know. So you just mentioned there that if this person stays at the office late and doesn't leave the gym, it doesn't leave to go to the gym early because that would be the most effective use of their time. But instead, they think that just getting home and doing 20, you know, 10 pushups or whatever it is, is enough to get into Instagram shape or trainer shape or whatever it is, is enough to be in, have improved health. Oftentimes, coaches are assuming when they give that information that they don't actually think that that clients know. Of course, clients already know that they should be training three to you know two to two to six days a week with strength training and doing cardiovascular work and sleeping eight hours a night and eating most of the calories and vegetables. Like, of course, everybody knows that. But uh, and and even that is just general information, right? I don't want anybody, hopefully, clients listening to this to think, well, no matter what I'm doing right now, Jay says I have to train two to six days a week and get all my calories and vegetables, like. There is nuance to be had here. And what I feel like we as coaches can do a better job, and since this is a communications podcast, we can do a better job at creating context and nuance around the information that we're giving. Because we it's it's a dangerous game to play to assume that the person that we're talking to, especially since there is millions of eyeballs that can see this, if we don't create context, we it can easily just get taken and interpreted in a, in a different way and behooves us to do a better job at creating more context and more nuance around the information that we're giving. Even if you intend on that information, and I kind of have, I want to have your feedback on this. If you intend on giving general information, the language that you use needs to reflect that. So I'll give you a personal example. I tend to use the word tend when I'm talking generally. I use hedging language specifically if I'm giving general information. I'll say, 
this time of year, people tend to go all in on their health and fitness without a plan so that people can see, I'm not speaking specifically to that avatar and getting it wrong or telling them that they should do this and only this, but I'm I'm strategically using hedging language and just thinking of the word tend. I wonder what you think about hedging language in that context. There's a purpose to it. It makes a lot of sense because that one little word of tend to, it communicates a whole idea that not everyone does this, which is really important. As you were saying, making the point about how, like, as an example, we get maybe 90 seconds to communicate advice online. That's the challenge because we think, okay, well, Sure, I want to be able to communicate some of the the assumptions I'm making before I give this advice, but I I also only have this 90 second window. So how do I do that? And it made me immediately think of pharmaceutical commercials. They spend 20 seconds talking about the benefits of yeah. this medication, and then they spend a minute talking about all of the all of the assumptions or negative effects or things that need to be true in order for this to actually work. And although those are really annoying, I think I I have a better appreciation for why that they need to do that. It, it, mm-hmm. That's their responsibility is to say, we've just communicated the benefits and now you're interested in doing this. But we have to balance that with telling you that this will only work if these other things are true. Mm-hmm. A, a personal example, I I have been training in the weight room since 2005. That's 17 years. And when I, in the first 10 years of that, I'm talking about like competing in a weight, Olympic weightlifting, doing CrossFit, which is super intense. And then I played division one volleyball and we had an intense training program today. I train 20 minutes in the gym, lifting heavy weights, and that's it. And I do that maybe four days a week, and I can maintain a really strong-looking physique, partly uh, genetics, and then other partly that I've invested 17 years. If someone came to me and said, well, Jenny, what do you do to look like that? And I said, oh, well, I strength train four times a week for just 20 minutes. I just make sure I lift heavy. And then you know, 80% of the time, I eat pretty clean. That's a luxury belief and if i communicate that from a place of authority to other people i think that's irresponsible because i can only do that because previous to this i invested 10 years in making time to build habits of training and nutrition and like if i one day choose to go eat a hot dog and a bag of chips that's not costly to me because i do that based on a foundation of habits. Whereas for somebody who is overweight and who has no really confidence in nutrition choices, if that person goes and maybe eats a hot dog and a bag of chips, that could be a snowball and get them into completely derail their progress. So even like when we talk about nutrition and saying, well, you don't have to be perfect at nutrition, you know, let yourself have that cookie some people can't let themselves have that cookie at a certain point in yeah, their yeah. nutrition journey. Yeah. And I say that to people, you know, I actually once had a debate with uh, an old client who is a psychologist and I wrote an article and I said, everything in moderation is bad. Advice. 
And he said, I don't agree. And I, you know, I asked him as why we had a conversation. And what I was saying was everything in moderation is bad advice to the wrong person because you're right. The, the, everything we do, right, is tools, it's skills. And certain tools and skills are used at certain times during our journey. And so to hear what you just said there is that, you know, if, if somebody takes what you do and thinks that they're going to get to your shape by just training 20 minutes a day, three days a week and, you know, being flexible with their diet, they, they're going to hit a roadblock. There are going to be more challenging techniques. The example I often use is that I guess the, the, the easiest way to explain this is that the, the skills that we use to get to our goals are not necessarily the skills that we use to maintain our, our success when we're there. Well said. So imagine, imagine there's a rocket and that rocket to begin with, it, when it's trying to take off from Cape Canaveral or wherever it's taken off from somewhere in Florida, <laughs> where when that rocket is trying to take off, it has these, these massive boosters that create all this, this fire and bluster and it takes a gargantuan effort to get stuff going and then once it's broken through the earth's atmosphere because the earth's air is thicker and up there there's you know it's a little bit thinner it just jettisons those things and the thing that keeps it in orbit it just kind of floats around up there like with very little effort but the skills that they use to get that damn thing off the ground are not the things that they use to get it up there and so we can do a better job hopefully that analogy makes sense it was incredible in my head great great the we can do a better job at creating context. And I think, unfortunately, the cardinal sin that most fitness professionals create online, and these are the people that, you know, give give people with a different mindset, and I put you and I in that different mindset bucket at this point in our careers, is that people speaking, coaches tend to speak in absolutes because it makes them look like an authority figure. But when they speak in absolutes, they serve a handful of people, but they don't serve a handful of uh, the, the vast majority of people. And that's like the classic, and I wrote this in our pre-show notes, right? So that's the classic Dunning-Kruger effect where early on in our career, we believe that we're, you know, we're, we are the most, we know the most when actually we know the least, but we we inflate our beliefs and we latch onto other people and we we speak in absolutes. And then short time after that, if we don't like, you know, transition out of the fitness industry because we're burnt out, we realize that holy shit, we actually know fuck all. And I might this is imposter syndrome one oh one, like what am I doing here? And then over time we realize that experience is a great teacher and we learn a little bit more and we modify our language and we realize that nobody has it all figured out and Hopefully, and I say this a lot to clients, and I say this a lot to other coaches, but you know, we sure that we don't marry ourselves to methods, but instead that we abide by principles because the methods are just tools and they might fit certain people better based off their preferences, based off their experiences. And we talk about coaches and clients now, preferences, experiences, needs, wants, goals, the whole thing at different times and in different doses. So that it's the dose that makes the poison in, in a lot of those things. So when I go back to your original example there of Tina on the internet, whoever this person was uh, on the internet saying like, it'll be fine, you should just go for a walk. Like that's general information and a better job could be done of saying, now this isn't right for everybody, but most people could benefit from going for a walk because the top three reasons to go for a walk. It's accessible to everybody. It's uh, it, you get a high return on your investment for the amount of fatigue costs that you have to pay. And, you know, 
you get to spend time outside and that's good for, I don't know, dolphins. Think of fucking anything. <laughs> um, but what, what we're not saying is all you need to do is go for a 10 minute walking day and you will drop 50 pounds. And, but if we don't say either of those things, it's almost like, uh, okay, I'm not going to say not creating context is as bad as falsifying information, but they don't really help people, right? They're not particularly yeah. actionable. Uh, so yeah, that, that's how I, that's oftentimes how I, I think about it. And I try and look at it through that lens when I'm writing my own content or when I'm speaking into the camera myself, who am I speaking to? What value am I trying to provide? Is this general? Is this specific? Am I doing a good enough job at creating nuance and context around it? And I think if not everybody's going to do a perfect job, but can we keep that lens in mind is probably helpful. Yeah. I, I think the, what this bubbles up to for me or the theme of what we're talking about is, is almost about ethics. It's, we have the internet and the internet is how we communicate with the people that are paying for our expertise. And when we communicate through that lens and we're communicating through our professional image, we have to be aware of the influence that we have on people and the power dynamics of that relationship, because there are people that see us as experts, regardless of what you see yourself as. Mm -hmm. And as a professional, we have a responsibility to, to backing up the information and advice we're sharing in a way that is appropriately serving the people, you know, the needs of the people that are, are listening to us. Now we can't, you can't cover every single base, but I really like what you're saying about at least when you're going to share advice, if it's just general or generic advice, making some sort of statement that identifies that and that this isn't true in all settings and yes. you know this isn't always this isn't an always or never situation or if it is really specific saying this is who this is for specifically and mm -hmm. if you don't fall in that group of people this is not for you yeah. and this might not be a good fit yeah take this with a grain of salt but again yeah 100 i think the and I, I have mentioned this before, and maybe this is just a constant lens that I know that I try and view this thing, this 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 thing, this work that we do through is knowing your audience. I know when I was with you at your fit to speak uh, one day seminar, we had the opportunity to talk about something that we were passionate about, or whether we wanted to talk about a general um, uh, general topic, like making a peanut butter and jelly, whatever it was. <laughs> and I always spoke about the thing that I was the most passionate about because it was always whirring over in my head. And I tried to pick things that the people in front of me, so the other coaches in the group in front of me had context for, so I didn't have to do that work myself. And then that way I could just, I could make those assumptions because if we define who we're speaking to, you can make some assumptions. You can be sure that if you're speaking to, uh, D1 athletes, volleyball, female volleyball playing D1 athletes, 
you can assume that they have been in the weight room before. Mm -hmm. You can assume that they're already very active. You can assume that what some of their issues are, right? Maybe they're just overworked or they don't have enough time to do their homework or whatever it is. You, you can make those assumptions. But the less specific your avatar becomes, the less specific you, yeah, the less specific your avatar becomes, the more general your information has to be. And so you mentioned the minute ago, creating qualifiers, qualifying if this is not you, then it's less helpful for you, most likely. Take it with a grain of salt. If this is speaking to you specifically, then here's five people that this has worked for for people like you in the past. You're providing, you're just you're providing anecdotal evidence, I guess, because if you're working with ten clients, fifteen clients, twenty clients, that's not evidence. That's, that's purely anecdote, and you've got a system yeah. that works, but you don't, you know, you know, not you, but people don't have scientific evidence at that point where they can say it. So I think this it's important to note that when you're delivering a message. Wow, this could become a marketing podcast as well because I get the feeling that know your audience is absolutely what somebody in a marketing field is going to yeah. say about yeah. throw, grow your followers by ten thousand in in two days by speaking specifically to your audience. So <laughs> yeah. extra value there. People should pay for this. Podcast. I have <laughs> uh, lost my trail of thought. I'm sorry. No, I I don't know that you and I talked before about like, what was the conclusion we were going to come to with this? And I think it's really twofold. I think first for me personally, and I know you mentioned this as well. So maybe it's true for other people listening to this is I thinking about what beliefs do I have about who I am and what that reflects for my status as a professional and how often am I communicating those beliefs and yet those beliefs might be costly for people if they themselves pick up those beliefs. Like, And I gave the example of me training. I think it would be really irresponsible of me to go out and maybe film myself doing my workouts every day and they're only 20 minutes and I look like this because that is me representing myself as a professional and I'm indirectly communicating a message that this is all it takes when my history does not reflect that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And you use that really nice analogy of the rocket ship, that how we start often is not how we maintain. So mm -hmm. I think the takeaways are at least just bring some awareness to what do I believe Am I communicating those beliefs with the people that I'm saying I serve? And are there are there costs that I have not thought about for yeah. those people if they decide to, to also take on the beliefs that I'm communicating with them? And then the second mm -hmm. takeaway is maybe it's to actually change a little bit about the process in which you're communicating your advice. And you mentioned mm -hmm. adding some qualifiers, maybe that is in terms of the voiceover that you're giving, or even in the caption to let people know, are they the right fit for what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't, I can't promise anybody that this, that adjusting things to a more ethical or a more considerate use of language is going to 10x their followers. Definitely not. It's probably going to match their values a little bit more. And 
there's more longevity in being able to speak in line with your values. And so I wrote my conclusion here when we're in our pre-show notes. I was thinking that the, this blends for me at the intersection of number one, appreciating that everyone is different. Everyone has different demands. And the, this is, I'm talking about the clients that I'm speaking to or the potential clients that I'm speaking to, that everybody has different demands. They have different preferences. They have different experiences and different needs. And so when I'm speaking, I need to be sure that my advice is general enough to be appreciated in some circumstances and qualifying it as general, but then specific enough to be actionable to a certain subset of people. So if I'm saying, you know, again, I work with, I typically work with men in between 30 and 60 who are in the upper tiers of the corporate world. So we're talking C-suite or we're talking uh, yeah, executives, lawyers, that kind of gear, who I can assume that when I'm speaking to them, they all have similar issues because they all fall in a similar socioeconomic bracket. You know, that, that's why I'm speaking to them. That's how I ended up speaking to them is by working with them story is by speaking to that avatar specifically. So I can make some assumptions there. And I, so when I give general advice, I'll say like, this is just a general thought for everybody. Or I had a conversation with a guy the other day in my training group and this applies to many other guys just like you. And I try and do that in long form. I try and do that in short form as well. So it's about knowing who you're talking to, knowing your avatar and making advice generally enough to be appreciated, but then specific enough to actually be actionable. Because, and I think, again, this is, I'm just checking my notes here, but social media can be a weapon of great progress when we use it specifically. But the issue comes that we try and follow the exact steps others took to get to the same outcomes. So if we, and I'm talking about, if I put my workout on the internet and say, everybody should do this, it's not gonna work for 99.9% .9 of those people. What you can very much say is, hey, here's me training. I don't advise it for everybody, but I've gotten here by doing these things and guys like you or people like you can do the same thing. I have systems in place that help people get to this point, however you want to tailor it, but it's making sure that you don't just mismatch. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about ethics. It's making sure you don't just say, look like me in 10 yeah. days by doing this thing that I do. Like it's that's, you didn't take you yeah. 10 days to get that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, no. That's definitely not the case. You, are, you and I are not the same person. Yeah. Yeah. I work from home. Like we don't all we, we don't all have the right. same twenty four hours. We all have twenty four hours, but they are not the same. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like I can tell people, oh, you should incorporate a two mile walk, and I say that, you know, at ten a.m. as I'm going on a slow two mile walk with my dog. Also, currently, somewhat in between jobs. <laughs> yeah, in California, yeah, I, not in Boston. I no, not in Boston, California, thankfully, and not flooded. If we're going to use the internet to share information and naturally sharing advice is what's going to get us contacts, expand our network, get us clients, then on the other side of that, we have a responsibility to thinking about what are the not just what are the benefits of somebody following my advice, but what are the costs of somebody following my advice? Because I'm equally as responsible for both. Yeah. Yeah. I think from a coaching standpoint, when I look at it, and maybe this is just my own bias, and it, I can't be sure whether it is or whether it isn't, it's my own bias. 
but I know I like to, I would much prefer to operate in a realm where I was giving good advice to, or effective advice to the people I thought it applied to most because they're the people I want to work with anyway. I also think that from a purely optics standpoint, saying this might not work for everybody. This is general advice. Take it with a grain of salt. People will appreciate the right people will appreciate that. Not everybody. The people who are, you know, out there looking for the next quick fix and who are actively looking for the carnivore diet or for some socialist post probably aren't going to be the people that you work with anyway. The beauty about uh, the internet being ubiquitous is that your clients use it. Also, yeah. your the people who aren't going to be your clients also use it. So just speak to the ones that you want to work with anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't have to get tons of likes. You just have to get the right likes that you know aren't your parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my two cents. We can leave it here. I that sounds good to me. I think there's a lot to think about and it was an interesting conversation to have. Love it. Thanks for listening to the show. As this is a podcast about communication, we value and welcome your input, any feedback you have and questions about how we could make the show even better for you. We'd love it if you click the link in the show notes to do so.